I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik. Thanks for tuning in. I've got a, a couple familiar faces and voices again, people that uh, contribute a lot to the podcast and are always well-received by the audience. Senior Ballistician Jaden Quinlan and Assistant Director of Engineering Joe Thielen. Guys, thanks for coming on. Yep. Thank you, Seth. Good morning. So we've got uh, a, a topic that we want to talk about that, you know, we get this question a lot at trade shows or everywhere when we when we are at a match people talk about this stuff and we're going to dive into match ammunition and what match ammo means what does it mean to be match match grade match quality match whatever so we're going to get into that and before we do joe and i were talking here just a few minutes ago before we recorded Jaden, you weren't up here and uh he's talking about getting ready for the hornady uh precision rifle match that we have in utah and uh, he was helping jason hornady get his uh rifle dialed in mm-hmm. and it took all of about 30 whole seconds it, you know that's an overstatement but it was just bam 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 10 shot group okay yep boop 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 done here's your four off file you're ready to go that gun's going to be accurate as far as you can shoot it mm-hmm. um and with the right operator somebody could win a match with that setup and it took no time and it really takes no effort and uh we were just talking about how that's really amazing Five years ago seems to be the line of demarcation. Prior to that, do you remember 2012, 13, 14 time frame when you would get your 308 Winchester dialed in? You had to hand load for it because it just you couldn't get that level of accuracy. Then you'd get on JBM ballistics, then you'd print out a thing, and you'd go out and shoot, well, that wasn't right, let me fudge the BC, and then you'd do all this stuff, and then you'd go out to a match, and you'd always miss on your first shot, then you'd make a correction. And now, fast forward just a little bit, you can get factory ammo in a factory rifle with a free Ford off app on your cell phone and absolutely shoot the pants off yourself from 10 years ago. Yeah. It's, yeah. You shoot circles around yourself. It's, it's incredible. And it's been fun. I mean, I'd, I've got to watch it from the beginnings, you know, 18 years ago, and it has been fun to be a part of that from the bullet development, the tooling, the machines, the presses to powder, to loading it more precisely loading it, P and V equipment, testing equipment, then you get radar and shot marker and all these tools that we've got over the years to uh, to utilize here has been pretty fun to watch that yeah. you know morph and develop and evolve. The technology advancement, you know, it started kind of slow and then it just built, built built but now it's you know it's exploded and we've said it before but range finders, optics, bullets, ammo barrels barrel quality action quality stocks configuration everything is just advanced to the point where precision rifles become easy uh you know obviously the the manipulation of the firearm and hitting your target and all those shooting fundamentals and the mental geometry to be good at competitive stuff that's aside but to get a rifle that is capable of incredible accuracy and repeatability and to get ammo that is extremely consistent that's easy nowadays, yeah, which yeah. is which 100%. is a, a, a unique time, you know, because a lot of us, Joe, 18 years ago, you had to order a barrel, then you put it on the lathe, and everything was dialed in perfect, and hand loads were meticulously loaded to the kernel, and now, if you can buy a factory rifle, you can buy a Ruger Precision Rifle or a Springfield Waypoint or whatever, and have a match-accurate rifle, or buy an action and order a barrel that comes threaded on both ends and chambered. You screw them together. You bolt them into a stock. It's easier than building an AR. And it's incredible the amount of precision and accuracy and consistency out of those firearms. And it's uh, the ammo goes right along with it. And a lot of that was helped by, and, you know, I'm filling our bucket here, but with our chamber designs, Joe, when, uh, you know, 18 years ago, when you fast forward to 30TC and then the 6.5 Creedmoor, and then all the cartridges we've released since then, we've really got the chamber geometry thing pretty well down. We introduced those dimensions to Sammy, and now you can have anybody build a rifle with really good dimensions on the chamber, and it just lends itself to accuracy. Couple that with good match ammo, good hunting ammo, and it's easy peasy. It's crazy. So to to help our listener that, okay, I see match ammo on the shelf. What is What does it mean? I think we should really start with what starts with everything in our company, which is the bullet. I so agree. So what, what makes a match bullet that's going to go into our match ammo? What makes a match bullet? 
a match bullet versus something else? Um, so uh, all of the quote-unquote match bullets, and I I like how you worded this first when you were like this term match this, match that, precision that, because that term I think gets loosely tossed around. Sure. But when we, like you come inside of the four walls of Hornady, when we use match or put match on a print or match on an ammo or bullet or whatever it is, the term is not used loosely here. When it has a match reference to it, it is truly held, whether it be a standard, tooling, machine, testing methods, whatever it is, propellant, Jaden uses, inspection processes, whatever, it's truly held to the next level. Okay. And that applies to the bullet, applies to the ammo, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, and the powder, primers that we use, components to put it all together. But specifically on the bullet, Seth, to be a match bullet, those bullets are ran on certain machines. Okay. With certain tooling that is quote unquote match tooling as well. Okay. In other words, the tooling is checked um, dimensionally and the features in the tooling to make sure that it is perfect. Um, so all of your draw dies, draw punches, and swedge dies and stuff are all held to match standard for the okay. match bullet. Okay. Then once those bullets are manufactured with the match grade tooling, they go to the testing which is the same test that we test all the other bullets, but the standard by which they're um, held to is different. So in okay. other words, a match bullet has to shoot less than a half minute of angle for a 10-shot group, whereas you'll have hunting bullets that shoot maybe half-minute five-shot groups or yeah. three-quarter minute five-shot groups. Um, so you can imagine that the, the level it takes to achieve that precision uh, with the match bullets is, is higher than a a hunting bullet or yeah. a varmint bullet or whatever. So yep. the, the match bullets are held to a tighter, if you will, standard when we test them. Right on. And yeah, with, with that, we also do that testing at 200 yards versus 100 it's yards. Twice the, exactly. It's twice the distance. And then there's a bunch of other things we do when you're talking like the manufacturing process. When we're drawing jackets, the jackets are held to a tighter concentricity yeah. standard. That's our length. Or amp jacket. Amp jack, yep. The way we draw them, length, weight, um, how many we make at a time on a tool set. There's a whole bunch of things that go into that, but okay. rest assured that when Hornady uses match, we mean match, and it's held to a different standard, manufactured a little bit differently. Um, the rules of match apply, and we, okay. we hold it. The only exception to that is with our ELDX, which is That's, the hybrid of it's a purpose-built hunting bullet, but it is a match-accurate bullet. As Jason Hornady would say, it's a hunting bullet you can win a match with. Yep. And yeah. we did that on purpose. That's oh, yeah. the same. That bullet is held to the same standard as a match bullet because of the application that it's used in and the ammo yeah. skews. And, and I've shot so ELDXs at matches. And oh, that yeah. was not my limiting factor. Yeah. And you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. So, so the bullets go through a slightly, it's the same procedure, but held to a tighter standard. Uh, the dimensions and the tolerances are held to a little bit tighter standard. They're tested a little bit more stringently. The QC checks a little bit more often just to make sure that that level of accuracy is held throughout the entire run. And then the entire run is generally a little smaller than yes. a, like a hunting bullet run would be. So we're just, we're trying to make sure that, sorry, Jaden, the, the, we're trying to make sure the consistency is there. So bullet number 100 is bullet number 1000 is bullet number 10,000. They're all, and they're very consistent and uniform. That's the that, whole, it's the whole goal. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to add to what you said was that by nature of the word match or the application match, you're talking about competitive, you know, disciplines really a lot or, or the level of performance required for those. And there's, in, it, in addition to everything that you said, there's, there's two additional metrics and that is efficiency and consistency. And so when you look at the design of the match projectiles, you see that they're all very efficient compared to say they're, they're hunting counterparts, right? Mm -hmm. Where you may have to make a trade off, you know, for expansion or something like that. In the match lineup, everything must be in support of efficiency consistency through that entire manufacturing right. process you're talking about but it also starts with the design of the bullet yep what are the dimensions of it what is the weight of it where where is the mass layout all of those different things um and you're talking that as well and you're talking for our the for the listeners for the efficiency is um aerodynamic efficiency ballistic that's efficiency that's correct mm -hmm. so essentially Reducing your sensitivities to ranging errors, to wind deflection errors, to velocity variability, you know, the things that you're, that are normal, that you're mm -hmm. forced to operate within, um, a hand of how the performance works is, is, is in that bullet itself by its design. Right on. 
you can have access to the Hornady Handbook of Cartridge Reloading at your fingertips wherever you are with the Hornady Reloading Guide app available for iPhone and Android. Check it out today. And one thing you, you touched on, not specifically, but I wanted to bring it back up when you were talking about how everything is purpose-built and driven for accuracy and consistency and efficiency. Nowhere in there did you say terminal performance. And that's an important note that I want to make that, you know, match bullets as a whole, ours as well, generally have pretty thin jackets. When you're trying to make something perfectly concentric, it's easier to make it perfectly concentric if you're not working as much material. So mm-hmm. jackets are a little thinner than hunting bullet. And for that reason, if you're varmint hunting, match bullets might be a great option. You're probably not going to like what they do to fur because that jacket's so thin. But there is no mechanism designed, whether that be jacket thickness or our uh, our interlock ring, to hold those bullets together. And uh, we've talked about it in great lengths before. There's even a white paper published on, on our website that Bowtail Hollow Point style projectiles are notoriously bad for terminal performance. Notoriously inconsistent, I should say. Yes, it's true. Um, uh, but that's something that we don't recommend as a company. We make world-class hunting bullets if hunting is your thing. Uh, we make world-class match bullets if match bullets are your thing. And uh, uh, if you would like to do both with the same bullet, we have a bullet for that with the ELDX. But we don't recommend our match-specific bullets for hunting for That's that right. reason. That's right. Correct. So we get these bullets made, and we've got a lot of them, from 22 cal down to you know 52 grains in 22 cal, all the way up to, gosh, 416 and 500. Yeah, 50 BMG. Yeah got the 750A Max, we've got the 416 500 grain A-tip. That thing is huge. It's yeah, uh, a monster. It is a monster, and we've got match bullets everywhere in between. ELD match, boat tail hollow points. I mean, we've got a lot of them, right? So now we transition into taking that match bullet into match ammo. And a few years ago, probably 2018 time frame, we did kind of a rebranding, if you will, of the packaging on our match ammo. We've got the white box match right across it with the target. Just a cool look. You know, you see that on the shelf or whatever, and it really stands out with that bright white. So for our premier line of match ammo, the bullets that are being used, what makes that match ammo, that quote-unquote match, which, Joe, you mentioned, we don't use that, that the designation, you know, with low regard. That's something that we purposefully put onto products and hold them to something better. So what makes match ammo match for us? Well, essentially those same standards that are applied to the bullet mm-hmm. need to be applied to the other four or other three components that go into making ammunition. So your cartridge case, your propellant, and your primer. Okay. Um, propellant is probably the main driver of it. I would, um, I would agree with that. There's, there's quite a wide spectrum of performance that you get as you change propellant. Um, the cartridge case itself obviously is is limited by dimensions, right? It has to be within a certain tolerance dimensionally. Um, and outside of that, there's obviously, you know, some hardness stuff and some some internal volume and consistency and stuff like that that the cartridge case contributes to to the overall performance. However, propellant is the main driver. And so one of our tasks is to make sure that all that work, engineering, manufacturing, quality control-wise that was put into the production of the projectile is not sacrificed by a bad selection of components to to propel that bullet. Yeah. And the propellant's the big one. Propellant is the big one. There's a lot of things that, as a match shooter, you demand from your ammo, whether you're hand-loading or uh, buying factory ammunition. First and foremost, accuracy. Mm -hmm. If it's not accurate, what are we doing here? And not all powders are the same. Yeah. You can't take, you know, five different powders that are arguably similar speed, you know, similar charge rate, produce same velocity with the same bullet. Um, they will not shoot the same. Yeah. So what goes into the selection of the propellant specifically? Because like you said, that's the lion's share mm-hmm. of the other component selection. How do you deduce down what propellant you're going to select for a load? A lot of it's based on experience. Um, sure. You know, we've tested powders for a very, very long time. And the other things that you're looking for in match application are consistency and velocity. So standard deviation and extreme spread and also temperature stability. Yeah, you know, we don't know what match you're going to, and so it could be really cold out. I mean, we've all shot sure. these matches, right? From <laughs> yeah. you know, 
jackhammering in between stages to you can't pound enough water, you know, to stay hydrated. Yeah. So I've shot a lot of matches in Carhartt <laughs> overalls. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we have to make sure that the propellant that we select is applicable for that broad range of application that a user might find himself in. Okay. Um, and so those things considered, you start to narrow yourself down, you know, of all the propellants available in a, in a applicable speed, you start to narrow those down into a classification, maybe four or five or six different propellant options that give you those other characteristics you're looking for. And then at that point, it is simply testing to determine which one is the best fit. And in general, what we will do is we'll start with the most optimum powder. Maybe that's from a availability standpoint. Oh, that's a, cons- a huge concern for us on the big scale. Yeah, and, and the same concern that everybody has experienced these last five years in, in the, the OEM or uh, the off-the-shelf powder market. Yeah, right? consumer I, mean, I think market. all of us that have ever reloaded have, have seen that this is a different environment than it was 20 years ago, right? Yeah, just a few years ago. A few years ago, right? Yeah. And so that's a big consideration. You know, w- will this powder be available two or three years from now or six months from now or whatever that may be? Um, but that said, we we select the powder as long as it meets our, our thresholds for performance, then we're going to test it through as many different systems as we possibly can. And mainly that's barrels, different barrels. That's Rifling where you see. configurations. Absolutely. And- kind of similar to the whole Ford off concept when we build a bullet file, we shoot it through as many different systems as possible, trying to gain, you know, like a cross-sectional average of what is out there and it's going to be used in once it hits the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we pick whatever is best from that whatever Excellent. wins. So in that vein, we talked about this on a separate podcast, but as a general rule, and again, this is a generality, so not always true, but as a general rule, uh, from a propellant standpoint, for those that are hand loading, what do you find is generally going to produce the best accuracy, temperature stability, and just overall consistency from a propellant type standpoint? Sure. Um, your, your extruded um, temp stable series or single base series. So like the Hodgson extreme series is very good. Uh, the alignment, the alignment, uh, temp stable series reloader, uh, 16, 23, 26, 15 and a half. That series is really good. Uh, Vitavori makes some really good stuff. Uh, the shooters world stuff is shot very well. The traditional IMR stuff should not be overlooked either. Mm -hmm. Um, there's quite a few, quite a few options out there, and there's some yeah. new propellants that are coming along. Um, you can find some of those from Hodgson, the uh, the Stayball series. Yeah, uh, Winchester. Well, Hodgson, Winchester. Yeah. They they perform very well. You've got three burn speeds of that propellant now. You've got uh, Stayball Match, which is a kind of vol- Varget type burn speed. You've mm-hmm. got Stayball Six Five, which mm-hmm. is kind of a forty three fifty. You've got Stayball HD, which is sort of like Rotumbo in burn speed. That's right. And those are. Uh, new, different technology, I'm guessing, from the manufacturing standpoint, because mm-hmm. those are double-based spherical propell- propellants, mm-hmm. which traditionally haven't always been the most accurate or the most temperature-stable. Yeah, what we saw with those traditional propellants was they would work really good in some barrel-bullet combinations, but others they would not. So mm-hmm. in one barrel, they would shoot the load fantastic when we were you know, sorting through powders, and then the next barrel we tested it through, it wasn't quite as good. What you see with the other powders I mentioned, the the Hodgden Extreme, the Alliance series, you know, Vitavori, all those is generally those propellants will perform very statically across different different barrels. And the bullets. consistency that we're after, mm-hmm. and then from a temperature performance, that's something that you guys test, and I've tested it as well. Uh, I think that's something that the consumer doesn't quite understand how much thought goes into that. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a careful consideration, and there have been several instances where we've gone through, tested it for accuracy and P and V and everything looks great. Throw it in the oven, uh, throw it in the freezer. Again, uh, we address that in another podcast, but it's not like we're throwing this in an oven. We have this very special. Let's call it a ballistics testing oven. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a kitchen oven. It's not a kitchen oven. And we heat it up to 120 or 140 degrees for a certain duration of time. We, you know, we freeze it down to zero, minus 20, minus 40, minus 60 in some cases. Uh, and those velocity swings you get based on temperature mm-hmm. we've gone away from a propellant and switched just for that reason mm-hmm. uh you know we're talking about match ammo but that's a big concern with dangerous game ammo as well mm-hmm. uh with our outfitter line which it was designed to go from the, the, the eastern the desert, cape of africa the desert to, to the north pole yeah well, so yeah. uh with match ammunition specifically that temperature stability is something that we we take serious now this i'm going to Try to frame this and make it as friendly as possible 
But there are instances where the manufacturing has to go on. We have to make ammo. And the availability of premier propellants has been has been affected by things that have right. caused certain propellants to become hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you navigate that? And, uh, you know, now with powders that are coming out, the newer stuff, how do you get through that to find something that still works? It's, it's very challenging. When I first started, be about 12 years ago now, I mean, that wasn't a concern. Like, you're swimming in Varget, swimming in H4350, swimming in, you know, uh, the, the Reloader series stuff. And uh, that's not the case anymore. And you're exactly right. You know, um, we still have to support our customers and we still have to maintain those standards. Right. And, and those things are difficult sometimes to, um, to pair up. But what we have found and what we've, you know, really worked towards is when there's an, you know, a powder that's available, but it has some sort of performance issue to it, whether it's the temps aren't up to the standard we're willing to tolerate or the level of dispersion that it produces is not good enough. Um, we've worked with those propellant manufacturers to try to to make that performance a little bit more tolerable. Mm. And we've been pretty successful with that. Excellent. Um, because it has been difficult. And a lot of the issues you see with the propellant supply are, are logistically related. Yeah, it's you 100%. Know? So it's not that the, the manufacturer is being negligent or they don't care or whatever it may be. Right. It's just, hey, in the current market, especially post or, you know, during COVID or post COVID, I mean, I think all of us have had a logistical you know, uh, oh, cost that we've experienced to some yeah. level. Well, and that spans propellant for us, but I've got friends uh, that paid for next day air for some uh, uh, frozen meat. You know, they had bought some really expensive steaks. They paid to have it next day aired on dry ice. Everything should be good. Seven days later, oh man, their meat is obviously <laughs> bad and they still paid for the next day air. So it was, they were out a hundred percent of their cost plus the cost of their, of their order. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that has happened to everybody. And it's, yeah, again, it's not on the powder manufacturers. It's logistically, it's just where we're at right now. Right. So, uh, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I've lived it a little bit and I've, I've, I have seen what goes on when, all right, we have to make a, a powder selection change. And it goes through all of the standards and we still hold those standards and we find an alternative and it takes being creative. Sometimes it takes personal relationships with those powder vendors, mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to find an alternative. And it's been remarkable. Luckily, like I said, we have some really good personal relationships and we've been able to help them change some chemistry and some shape and, and find propellants and invent new propellants that, that do all the things. Yeah. And that's been, that's been cool. Yeah, and and for the listener, you know, generally we have a a backup powder. Oh yeah, we, we don't base everything off just one thing. And I I was at a match this weekend out in Wyoming, and it was really cool to hear, you know, being out in the wild talking to to guys that are that are just doing this on their own dime. And um, one of them just came up and gave us a compliment and said, "Hey, you know, during COVID, you guys really did a good job. Like there was there was Hornady stuff on the shelf. It's like there wasn't a ton of it, you know, but." There was nothing else there, and there was some Hornady stuff on the shelf. And part of that is because of that testing, right? I mean, if we only had that one propellant available and no other opportunities, well, logistic issues come up. It's like there's you no know, ammo then. Yeah, you know, so when you have backups we and try, backups We try backups. to have that in place, yes. Yep, and then you, that allows you guys to be more strategic. When you can look at, here's our production schedule. Here's the propellant we have. Here's the delivery schedule. Well, we can shuffle the deck a little bit, um, and that's something that has been huge monumental during the COVID and post COVID to get ammunition back on the shelf. When, when the purchasing power of the, the local economy sure. has just been to buy everything. Yeah. And maybe, maybe another point to bring up for the listener is, is the guys here at Hornady that are managing that and making those decisions are the same guys that you've had on this podcast talking about technical stuff, the ones that care and are passionate and know the level of performance because needed because we're out there doing it. Mm-hmm. We're the ones making those decisions. Yeah. And so hopefully that puts some people at ease that it's not just some, you know, uh, and, and in no derogatory intention there, like just some random Engineer. person in production that's yeah, saying, well, this powder is listed as being approved. Go ahead and use it. No, that's not the case. I mean, we're, we're constantly involved in this process and saying, you know, Hey, let's do this and this and this to, to make sure that 
that performance that we know that we need is there for the customer when they get yeah. that box. We've talked about it a bunch. Joe brought it up in probably every podcast we've ever talked about, but and he's seen it again almost two decades now. He has seen, okay, I'm I'm a passionate bench rest guy. I, I'm going to make darn sure that these 208A maxes are going to be, you know, I'm going to do sure. everything I can because I'm going to shoot them this weekend at the bench rest nationals or whatever. whatever yep. And then that just morphs into different shooting sports. And that's a good point, Jaden. I'm glad you brought that up. And I hope it does resonate with the listener that there's not just a list of propellants for 308 Winchester, 168 grain ELD match ammo. Oh, yeah, whatever. Just pick one and go. I mean, everything is done purposefully by somebody who understands the implications of the decision. And, and cares. And cares, cares. yeah. Correct. So the big one, like I said, the lion's share, that's the propellant. So getting into the, the other two components, we got primers and cases. Um, primers, you it's not just plug and play with that either. Mm-mm. No, we've, we've seen large differences in the performance of primers. Some of them differences to the point where they're not safe to use in those combinations maybe. Um, uh, delayed ignition, stuff like that. Issues at temperatures, right? Mm-hmm. This primer is perfectly fine at, at 40 degrees and above. It'll work just as you expect, but it goes below that temperature and you're starting to have problems. Higher SDs, higher extreme spreads. Hang um, fires. Hang fires on the extreme end, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, primers are not all equal and that gets paired with the propellant too. I mean, um, those two kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they really, there's a relationship there that yeah. I don't think a lot of people think of, you know, really? Yeah. With, well, this powder works great, but it has to have this primer or this primer really works good, but it really needs that powder. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a relationship there that you've seen. I know you guys have seen it time and time again, where you use that one with that one, you know, and you purposely pair them up. Right. Yeah, we have a lot, you know, a lot of our ammo specs will call out, it has to be this primer and it has to be this powder. If that powder is not available, then it might have to be this primer and this powder. And and those things aren't cross compatible. Yeah. That's a balancing act that nobody Mm, gets to see. That's a real peek behind the curtain when you're trying to make (laughs) millions upon millions of rounds of ammunition a year. That's right. The, that and stay ahead on making cases and then priming those cases to stay ahead of ammo yeah. it's a it's a challenge yeah well let's let's dive into that last component which is cartridge cases joe i know you had uh i believe your early engineering career here at hornady and that's where i cut my teeth <laughs> in in cartridge cases and then you know we don't need to talk about it in great lengths but i do want you to mention some of the things that have happened in the last year with our cartridge case plant because there's been some big changes uh in a couple different aspects, the size and the quality and, uh, walk us through cartridge case and what goes into a quote unquote mash. Well, I'd clear back from the beginning and the way I was taught from Mitch and Ron Bond and those guys is we, we have one standard, I guess, when we build our cases and we don't care what cartridge it's going to be loaded, but the cases are all built the same way and they're all held to the same tolerances, standards, hardnesses, all of those, unless there's a spec that we have to meet for something different, all of our cases would be quote unquote premium or match. We don't make two different levels of cases. They're all, they're all the same. Um, so I, I would like our listeners to know that. And then here lately, we've put a lot of time and money into how we manufacture those cases. So the tooling that's used, the measuring devices, the machine that the toolings goes into to try to build a more I'm going to call it a consistent case because mm-hmm. the, the dimensions and the quality and everything on the tooling is still there. It's still the same tool, you know, forming the case mm-hmm. to the same spec. But the, the way at which it got to there, we've tried to change that with materials and specifically machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's been the last, you know, five or eight years. We've really put a lot of time and money and effort into that. Yeah. And that's just been a, that's been an effort to maintain the quality that we've always had with the volumes that we need now. Yeah, and we need volume. And we and need to help cases. support that volume. We just did a, a rather large expansion on our case plant, brand new machines. And what was really unique uh, or admirable, I suppose, is when they were building the expansion, they were also purchasing the machines yeah. that were going in there and mm-hmm. setting those up. And when Fire Marshal gives the stamp yep. of approval, we're you're moving in. You're moving <laughs> in, and, yep. and it's operational. And so. Like you mentioned, Joe, we've been able to keep that quality and add the volume, and that's just been 
huge. Yeah, and had we not have Jason and Steve Hornady, who are, they have our their employees' best interest in mind, and they have the best interest of the consumer in mind to to just build the facility, just build it. And it was expensive. And you got to commit that you're going to now be able to produce this much brass and you can't just sit on it. Uh, Cause if things start to slow down, you've committed. Now you've got that much capital investment and more employees. And uh, it's just cool to see our brass capability expand so much uh, knowing that Hornady from even my time, 10 years ago for you, Joe, almost 20 years ago now to see where we've come in our market presence. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, Hornady white box match ammo because of the reasons we just talked about has become synonymous with what you mentioned about bullets consistent it's efficient it's accurate it's all the things you want and for the most part all things considered it's affordable yeah yeah that's one we haven't even touched on no is that you can afford it's not like custom hand-loaded ammunition from pops gun shop that you can't i mean it's $50, $80 $50, $80 a box of yeah. 20 and you just can't afford to go shoot it at the volume you yeah. need for the discipline that you're in. Yep. And so all of that stuff put together, the components, the bullets, the manufacturing, the quality control, the testing, all of that comes together to make Hornady match ammo, some of the best ammunition on the market. And I know we've all shot it at matches. I've been, um, you know, I like to hand load from a match out of posterity. I know how to hand load. I should hand load. I can guarantee everything's right. But then this hat and the other thing happens, and it's like, oh man, I got a match in two weeks. Go. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna order some hatch ammo. I'm just gonna run it, and it's never been a limiting factor. And to that point, um, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, and uh, you know, Justin Watson, Oklahoma, he's he's in the running to win every match he shoots, and for a long time, and I'm sure he shoots other stuff too, but. He was running Hornady, Six Creedmoor, 108. He calls it, match. They all call it white box ammo. I'm like, it's match ammo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a shout out to those guys. It's match ammo. Oh, yeah. White box makes it sound like some commodity white box, but that's how it's known, Seth, with that yeah. that white box with red match. I mean, it must it must resonate because people call it, it does. yeah, that's that Hornady white box ammo. That's good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those, those that crew in <laughs> Oklahoma, you want to talk about a force to be reckoned with oh, in the precision shoot. rifle world. But uh, so that's the... The white box Hornady match ammo. Well, we've got match bullets that are found in other other ammo lines. So let's talk about those other lines real quick, just to spin up our consumer on. Okay, you've got American Gunner and you've got uh, Black. Those two lines of ammo, they feature some of our match bullets. So what separates Black and American Gunner from the 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 Hornady white boxed match ammunition. You get the bullet, um, but what's different that, that one, it's more economical when you just see it on the shelf. So mm-hmm. what drives that and what kind of standard differences are there for those two SKUs? Yeah. Well, I th- well, you have like a whole spectrum of users out there, right? You have a guy That's that where I was going with that okay. doesn't have a ton of extra, you know, uh, expendable m- income, expendable income. Exactly. All the way to the guy that that's not an issue. Right, and there's a there's a performance. Uh, everybody wants the optimum performance, but considering that, because we've all been in those positions to one extent or another, mm-hmm. um, we've kind of taken like a good, better, best approach to the offerings. And so what you okay. see there is like American Gunner is very high performance ammunition, but at a more economical price. And some of that comes from say the propellant selection or stuff like that. We're, we're holding the match standards, but we're selecting components in a way where we can drive the price down enough that yeah. that guy can afford it and still have really good performance. And yeah. shoot volume, because a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. some of this stuff is intended for... Three gun. Three gun. It's intended yeah. for, you know, gunner, black is, you know, black, ARs, you know, consuming more ammo. So if mm-hmm. you're going to consume more, it costs more. So right. is that where you were kind of driving towards is yeah. we're trying to tailor it. We built it for a purpose, in other words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a, there is a cost associated with the most premier level of performance, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're picking components and spending time in engineering production and quality control. And there's cost to all that. And so that's where you see some of that happen. Like with the, 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 the match line that features the ELD match bullet and the best powders you can possibly get your hands on. I mean, there's cost to all that. And you see that it costs yeah. a little bit more money than say the American gunner box, but yeah. they're you're not leaving a ton on the table by saving a little bit of money and going that route. 
Yeah. And then the black line, like Joe had mentioned, um, that line is, is more tailored to the, the gas guns. Um, okay. The, the Where we measure port pressure on some loads to make sure the propellant's optimal for that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, we're selecting propellants that are designed to burn out in a little bit shorter barrels, which is typically more common, right? You have, let's say, an AR-10 and a 6.5 Creed or, or a 6 Creed or something. It's very common for that to be a 20-inch barrel or a 22-inch yeah. barrel, where the bolt gun stuff is usually 24 plus. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're selecting components there that lend themselves to performing a little bit better in the, in the gas gun platforms, the semi-autos. Did you know that Hornady has a full line of reloading tools and equipment? Whether you're brand new to the reloading game or a seasoned veteran, we have tools that will work awesome with your setup. Check out all of Hornady's reloading tools at Hornady.com. One thing you were talking about, you know, some economics of, say, American Gunner. One of the ways that we also keep costs down is by limiting the amount of options. So, so let's say through 8 Winchester, for example. Um, Talk about 155 or 168 grain match bullet in a boat tail hollow point configuration. We make those bullets sure faster than That's... one per second when they're running. So yeah, you're not getting the the big heavy long or the tips, but man, 155 or 168 grain boat tail hollow point bullet, we'll thump those babies out with incredible precision at an incredible rate. Uh, so you're saving some money just on the volume and ease of production. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. Sure. And like you said, the propellant selection is is also different. Same then, cases. Same cases. Yeah. And then end used. I mean, let's face it, we're not if you're if you're engaging targets from fifty yards to three hundred and fifty yards, the level of precision required depending on the size of the target is obviously different than if you're engaging a one minute plate at seven hundred yards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I sure. mean that we've tried to take those I mean, obviously take those things into consideration when we're tailoring the ammo to the end use case mm -hmm. got so, it i mean i would I would encourage our customers to really take a look at what am i doing what, yeah. what game am i playing or what what do i need and then make your dollars stretch as far as you can yeah, yeah that makes sense and even you know for me as an employee uh i've got a an hs precision rifle built by the guys at hs precision it's hs everything uh you could call it a factory rifle thing shoots bug holes uh, with everything I've ever I've ever shot in it, for the most part, the black six millimeter Creedmoor with the 105 Bowtail Hollow Point shoots every bit as good as my hand loaded 110A tips. I mean, I don't know what it is about that configuration and maybe that my particular barrel, but that 105 Bowtail Hollow Point at 2950 just puts bullet on top of bullet on top of bullet. It's simply incredible. I I know I got some of that that was cosmetically uh, blimmed, had some dings, dents, scratches, whatever. It shoots so good. It's it's almost scary. It makes you wonder, like, wow, do I, should I really be buying the 108s? Really but again, the, the 108, more efficient bullet. Uh, so for the really long range stuff, just a little bit better. But thanks for walking us through that because I think that is some questions. Okay, ELD match, it's X dollars. Well, here's American Gunner in a similar configuration, and it's just a little cheaper. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. So. A good, better, best scenario is kind of the, I think, a good way to lay that out. Well, and, and talking about cost and back to what we talked about earlier about how many guys are shooting factory ammo with a factory rifle and winning matches. Yeah. You see it all the time. I watched it this weekend. Um, the it, it kind of forces you to analyze what is your time worth as a reloader or handloader, right? Because it used to be if you wanted match winning performance, you had to make your own stuff, essentially. Assemble yeah. your own components, right? Ammunition wise. But now with the quality of the factory match ammo that's available, you have guys that are showing you the level of performance capability of this ammunition. Guys are winning matches using factory ammo. So you really should ask yourself, how much are you worth? What mm -hmm. is your time worth? How much time do you have to spend prepping brass, weighing, or, uh, weighing charge weights, you know, doing all this stuff? And at the end of the day, is because there's, there's still an advantage, right? It's in your control. You can make it as perfect as you want. Absolutely. But is that worth the cost for you to do it don't know you have to yeah, yeah, answer and, that for yourself and i would say with a lot of these guys probably not i mean why do you have mr watts shooting factory 108 creedmoor and winning matches probably because he came to that realization he can't yeah. hand load better enough or better at all than the factory ammo is producing for what he needs to go use at a match yeah he's got yeah uh, amazing rifle system it shoots great with whatever you put in there and yeah now what's your time worth people got kids and sports and work and whatever and it just makes a lot of sense 
The one that's really drives it home for me personally is 300 PRC with 225 match, white oh. box match. You yeah. can go low because I've loaded a lot of mm. 300 PRC. Dating back but almost dating, 18 years no, ago. Seriously. Yeah. So I've, lo- I've shot a lot of that. And now you have that ammo and you can shoot targets as far as you really want to be shooting targets with the match ammo mm-hmm. versus your what you used to do with yep. hand loads. Yep. So the juice really isn't worth the squeeze yeah. on, especially that one really highlights it to me because the ranges are so far. Yep. 1,000, 1,200, 1,500, 2,000. Yeah. That and really you, is remarkable. You can get. I mean, so here's here's one very similar to that. Uh, the it was last summer, I think. I can't remember. Gone smell blind. I think it was last summer. Uh, there was a, a media event uh, for the release of a new rifle from Remington. Uh Kind of the new Remington. It was their 700 long range HS stock. They were chambered in seven millimeter PRC. We had a you know about a dozen riders uh, descend on the FTW ranch down in Texas for a media event to get hands on with the new Remington rifles. They rolled out their their Alpha One rifle, which is a really a nice platform, uh, and we shot the seven PRC. And for a lot of folks, that was their first time shooting the seven PRC. So we go through you know kind of a typical SAM course at FTW, and everybody got proficient. Well, we're up on what I believe is called the Crusader range, and there's some long balls out there. So we have Hornady factory match ammo, 180 grain ELD match. We have factory Remington 700 rifles chambered in 7 PRC. They lay down. Joseph Von Benedict is one of them. Uh, Von Benedict, excuse me, writer. Several other writers, 1,800 yards. Joseph went 5 for 5 at 1,800. Just went, oh, how far is that one? Wow, that's a long way. What do I need to come up? All right, give her a shot. Dang. Drops them in there. I rest my case. So you're shooting factory rifle with a factory ammo at more than a mile. And the 300 PRC, like you mentioned, that was the first one that was like, holy cow. We're talking 2,000 yard engagements on targets that you're hitting on purpose on your first shot yeah. yeah with factory ammo to factory gun that's that i mean that drives home the point well and i mean. think when for anybody who's done that elr type shooting you fully understand and if you haven't done it you need to know this that at those ranges what matters most is consistency consistency in the bullet and consistency in your velocity mm-hmm. without those two things you're shooting a shotgun pattern out there and for factory ammo to produce those results at those ranges, it has to be consistent. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Great. It makes me want to go shoot stuff far away like, yeah. right now. Yeah. And it, uh, it turns the, it, it turns all the mirrors back on us because now it's back to being our fault again. Yeah. We can't blame the ammo. We can't blame the gun. We can't blame uh, the barrel. It's just us. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's easy when you're shooting XM118 LR to say it was a transonic gremlin. That's why I missed. That's right. Yeah, sure. Bullet <laughs> transonic and yeah. it's instable. Uh, so match wise, you guys got anything coming up? It's it's uh, June fourteenth. I can think of a couple matches coming up uh, next week for me. What so are you shooting? Hornady PRC in Utah. Yeah, the Hornady PRC. That's one of my favorite matches. A hard, a very difficult match. Usually a lot of wind, long range targets, but it's a field style match. I mean, you're shooting out in the high desert, and I just I love it. Mm. I mean, it's. It's I amazing. hope the wind. I hope the wind blows. I love the wind when it blows. I out love there. when the wind blows. You get I love it. Last year, Clay Blackheader out there cleaning house with a six-five Creedmoor with yep. one fifty-three A tips at twenty-six fifty. I think. Yeah, he's twenty. Yeah, twenty-six fifty, twenty-seven hundred, somewhere right in there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but a field style match exactly, and that match heralded as as kind of a mini finale because it's, the best shooters show up, and obviously you have high winds, then you have variable winds and then you have wind gradient then you have uphill and downhill winds then you have all kinds of crazy stuff going on shooting off cliff edges and stuff it's a premier it's an equalizer match beautiful facility amazing you know george and and brian at at ga precision do an amazing job our own or excuse me as match directors and uh it takes a village to make that thing happen but it is a match and then Uh, also coming up we have the hornady nrl hunter match that's this weekend yeah. Just, we got guys going to that one too. Yeah, down in Price, Utah. Huh. Uh, so yeah, going to be another great match and and two different styles of shooting, but somewhat similar. Jaden, for you, and you just got back from an NRL Just got hunter. back, yeah. I did the Cody Wyoming, the Gunworks match up there. That was incredible. Um, over 18 stages, there was one stage where you had less than 15 degree angle of fire. Pretty oh much boy. everything was 15 to 30 degrees. Uh, obviously, you know, Northwest Wyoming is a 
is a bit okay on the eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're into like beautiful mountains and stuff or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really, really great match. Those guys did a good job. Um, a cool venue. You know, most places were shooting flat. And so okay. that one really gives you a, a taste of something different. Um, probably going to be my last match for the year. I've got quite a few uh, uh, military like training trips stacked up here yeah. uh, going into fall. And then I drew my elk tag. So get ready back home. I'm coming home. Yeah. <laughs> With 7 PRC? Yeah. That's what I like nice. to hear. Yeah. Uh, yep. Great stuff. Well, hopefully I get a chance to do some matches this summer. I love to shoot the Hornady PRC in Utah. I won't be able to make it this year. I wanted to go to the, the NRL Hunter down in Price, Utah, but I'll be gone doing something else. But uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting out. And yeah, we've talked about it a lot, but my time's not worth very much, but I don't have a lot of it. So I'm shooting factory. <laughs> yeah. uh, is there anything else regarding factory match ammo that makes match ammo that you want the listener to know? And I think we did a pretty, I think we did a pretty good job of covering it. Uh, I would just encourage them if, if they haven't tried it, you know, if you've, if you've been shooting for a long time and reloading and hand loading for a long time and, and when you started doing it was back when you had to do that to get performance, I would encourage you to go try it yeah. and run the numbers, you know, do, do the math. How long does it take you to make 20 rounds of your hand loaded stuff? And that includes case preparation and weighing charges and seating bullets and doing any sort of inspection. Do you check concentricity? You know, what do you do? Figure out all that time. And then, uh, how much are you worth an hour? Do the math. See if it's worth it to do that. And then go buy a box of factory. See if the performance is any yeah. different. And if it's not or it's better, I don't know. Give well, it that's, a try. That's really all it takes is a box. You know, we've done a lot of, of chirping about sample size. And is 30 good? Yes, you should try to get 30. Is 10 better than 5? Yes. But 20 really seems to be the line of demarcation where you're getting right up there with statistical significance. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're starting to kind of populate a normal distribution of, you know, let's say dispersion. Right. Uh, that cone of fire it takes a box. It takes a box of 20. Yep. You know, lay down 300 yards with a chronograph or whatever. See how it does for you versus your hand loads. You might be surprised. Absolutely. Yep. One thing before we sign off here that I wanted to touch on, Jaden just mentioned inspecting your hand loads. Hornady Ammo, again, for the listener that might not be privy to this, every single round of ammunition that you buy, you pull out of the box, a human hand grabbed that piece of ammo, a human eye looked at it and said, this is good enough to go in the box for our consumer and put it in the box. Every single round that you buy in a Hornady box is hand inspected. Yep. And the stuff those folks find is my, my mind. Yeah. Mine too. Because I'm yeah. out here at the same uh, facility that all the ammo is being inspected in and they'll bring me stuff sometimes just for, you know, I guess my opinion or whatever. And yeah. Hand like me, that's worth anything. Hand me, yeah, right. Uh, they'll hand me, you know, five cartridges and and just kind of, you know, look at you. Obviously, I know they're an inspector and they want me to find out what's wrong with this ammo. So I'm like looking and and kind of embarrassingly look up at them and say, "Well, what's wrong with it?" And they go, "Oh, well, if you hold it in the light like this and you kind of look right here, there's like a little bit of a, like a scuff." I believe you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know? Let me get my uh, magnifying glass out. No I mean, the, the level of stuff that the quality that they can they can achieve is incredible yep that's awesome so again factory ammo whether that's any hunting ammo or our match ammunition that is hand inspected and that's something that 100%. we've been doing since forever and we're going to continue to do then because it gives you that level of quality and assurance that you're getting a premium product so uh now i'm going to wrap that all up that's match ammo in a nutshell and we've been asking every single guest on the show, shot out of a cannon, between hunting, matches, target shooting, plinking, end of days, zombie apocalypse, you got to pick one cartridge and one bullet. Joe, what are you going to pick for the rest of your life? You get one cartridge, one bullet. I get as many rifles as you want or <laughs> pistols, but one cartridge, one oh, bullet. I hate this question. You do it all the time. What are you going to do? Oh, if I got one to do all the stuff that I love to do. I got to go with my 300 PRC. Yeah. 300 PRC, 212s. I can do it all. Done and done. Didn't even have to think about it. You made me pick one. Yeah. I love hunting and I love shooting and I like long range shooting. I kind of got, I mean, I could get by with a PRC or a Creedmoor, but what happens if I just need a 30? Yeah. Well, I, I chose a seven because uh, Jonathan Berry, one of our sponsored guys, he's shooting a seven PRC at the Hornady PRC Is he really? match. Yeah. He's so, in my squad. He's going to be a squad in front of me. Yeah. I got to go. So I've heard. 
So hopefully he shows I up. I will that thing. check that out. He placed, I think it was 14th here, he's, not a couple weeks ago, with a seven PRC. No kidding. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'll, I will. So say, he's a squad in front of me. I chose the seven so I could do that. But I mean, let's place it seven. It'd be close. I mean, if you're, you're going to make me, if you're going to make me pick one, 300 PRC. I mean, a seven or a third. You, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Well, you People touch gonna, blue, make it true. You said. 300 PRC, PRC with the 212, the LDX. Yep, that's what I would choose. If now, you're making me choose yeah. one. So, Jaden, I saved you for last because I anticipate a non-traditional answer. From a non-traditional Jaden? Yep. <laughs> okay, without hesitation, 410 with buckshot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, obviously not. Uh, you said zombie apocalypse, right? Yeah. And hunting well, it's, and recreational shooting. It's everything. Everything. Six arc. Well, oh, with see, like like mm, man it hurts because six five creedmoor is there yeah. too um why yeah because i can do everything with it and yeah. you can well, shoot well, a lot and you can shoot a lot of it yeah the only thing my only hesitation with saying six arc in that is i love hunting elk and i i feel like i could do that i have that capability but it would it would it would grossly narrow my opportunities it would have yeah. to be an absolutely perfect shot on an elk you know, very traditional. There range. would be a lot of elk I wouldn't shoot, shoot that I could have with something else. Would be another way to put it. Yeah. But other than that, that little cartridge does everything. I've shot it to a mile. My six-year-old daughter can shoot it. The barrels don't wear out. The it, yeah, it's got a lot of benefits. I mean, yeah. Creedmoor is right there with it. Yeah. So for like a, across the board. Thing. You're choosing arc. So yeah. What bullet? 103x. What do you think? 90 grain CX. 87 V max. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably the 108. 108 yield match. match. Yeah. So I have to pick the ammo that lasts well, me the, the rest bullet. of my life, too? That's what he said. I don't, bullet, this I don't is like not, that. No, it's not a fair question. Oh, and you no. said you like to hunt, so I thought you'd lean towards the LDX because it's got those. You well, know. yeah, but. You need to take a look at this where is we just work. Not a, I don't like this question. Everybody's answered this. This is Jayden. not what my job is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this well, is the, good the news, opposite of my job. The good news is that none of this is factual. And we do throw in, you can have as many rifles as you want. So if you want to have a 20-pound match gun and a 6-pound backcountry gun and a 12-pound field rifle, everything's groovy. Oh, I thought it was like one. No. Okay. It's just the cartridge and the bullet. And you could buy factory ammo. You could hand load it. I'm sure listeners are dropping off by the second at this <laughs> rambling yeah. that I have Well, you got to so. pick a bullet. We're not going to end the show. Everybody, everybody's got to know. Yeah, the 103. Because I do want to still shoot elk. And although I may go on 15 hunts and only take one shot, I do want the LDX for it. Shoot him in the there, head. There, I told you. I hope you're happy. Okay, I'm very happy. And, and <laughs> uh, more importantly, it's going to help with the lineage of the podcast because we're asking every single person that's on the show. Every uh, podcast? like every po to, Well, I'm to, not going to ask you again. Well, what if it changes over time? The world may never know. I mean, but, if the chances of the zombie apocalypse become substantially less likely, that probably changes my answer. To Creedmoor. Yeah. Okay. It pushes me into Creedmoor. All right. Well, guys, before this devolves, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, of course, man. No Always problem. Anytime, Seth. Thank you. Appreciate it. Guys, hope you enjoyed this podcast and you learned a little something about what goes into Hornady Match and what that means. And hopefully you understand that we don't use that term loosely. It's something that we strive for, the quality, the consistency, the efficiency, whether that be bullets or whether that be ammo, and that we hand inspect that ammo. So when you buy it, pull it out of the box it looks like jewelry and performs to your expectations we hope you enjoyed it we'll catch you on the next one